Garden and the Moon is a knowledge center bringing together teachings and insights, experiences and stories, people and beings. So Lisa, it's really wonderful to have you part of the um, Garden and the Moon uh, podcast channel. Thank you so much for being here with us. As most of the people listening to this channel know, um, the people I like to interview are really people who've touched my heart actually in many different ways. Uh, people I've met on my path in many different countries or perspectives. And, and you know, what's interesting for you, Lisa, is that um, even if you live in Ireland now, uh, I actually met you in Australia. Uh, because last winter I was staying with this uh, wonderful couple who uh, are anthroposophists. And, you know, for people who don't know what uh, anthroposophy is, it's actually really connected to the wisdom of Rudolf Steiner, who was um, some kind of uh, esoterist, but also very practical and uh, really like forward thinking uh, man uh, who really like gave such an, a beautiful legacy in terms of like the tangible aspect of healing from the earth, from the soil, uh, as well as, you know, from the heart, from the soul. And um, anyways, this couple in, in Australia really like opened that door uh, to me and they would often talk about you, Lisa, and they would often talk about their teacher. You know, they really, I think, uh, refer you as their teacher and, and, and guide. And, um, and one day they were sharing about one conference, one online conference you were holding on the inner work and, um, and you know, I decided to join. And there I really, really felt like um, something really profound um, connected with me. And I think like your words, uh, the way you, you just bring things together um, from a holistic perspective, really like I just found it so innovative. I just found it like, for the first time after many, many years, uh, someone was really able to put things together. You know, like uh, I've connected with Ayurveda and a lot of healing modalities over the past few years. And it almost feels each time that it's like a, a box in itself, you know, or like a school in itself. And, and suddenly your teaching and your words like really like made it all part of the same thing and really like that felt really profound to me and since then you know I, I've explored more you know of your writings your books and um, also your recent work on the vir virtues which again you know connected things like with here in astrology or you know like the planets but suddenly it connected to something deeper that you can also see when you watch the sunrise, for example. And um, also a work that's connected to young people and artists. And so I, I would say really, Lisa, like your work is so uh, present. It's a present, it's a gift, mm -hmm. and it's present. And that's what I think is really 
unique. You know, you're not talking about healing from the past. You're not talking about transcribing things that used to be into the now. You're talking about what is now and how to embrace this now. And I think it's 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 wonderful. And um, I will just you know like um, let you introduce yourself further because I think you have much more to say about your path and and exactly what you're offering but at least like this is my perspective on 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 you and who you are and how I connected with you and how I'm so grateful you're here right now to share who you are ah thank you well look that's a very interesting introduction because it's in a way what brought me to the work of Rudolf Steiner I was a very young seeker of inner work, meditation, consciousness. At the age of 15, I started to look into Eastern traditions and meditation. But at the age of 19, I moved more into looking at the Western esotericism. And I was working with a teacher in Santa Fe, and she offered me this book by Rudolf Steiner, which was called Knowledge of the Higher Worlds. And she said, oh, I think you're going to need this. And it was quite something because although Rudolf Steiner is known for so many practical things in the world, from world of education to biodynamics to anthroposophical medicine, architecture, there's so much that he's known for. I really met him for the first time as a spiritual teacher. And what I really appreciated was that he gave a framework of which all other spiritual teachings could be understood. So it allowed me not to just stay in a box of understanding, but through a framework, understand the world and understand where all of these teachings in a way fed into each other or made sense of each other. There is a place. And that's such a profound um, need for our times that no matter what your expression or what your experience is, is there a place for that? How do I understand that in that greater context? So for me, you know, that was what drew me to anthroposophy, to the work of Rudolf Steiner, was that it allowed this framework. And to give you an understanding of that, Rudolf Steiner talks about in the meditative practice, at the end of your meditation, in order to stay connected to the inner space that you've created, you would focus on your divine ideal. Now, he said, if you're a Buddhist, that may be Buddha. If you're a Christian, that may be Christ. It may be love. It may be nature. It, it will be what turns your own soul towards the divinity. It's not something that you've been indoctrinated into necessarily because sometimes your upbringing does not turn you towards the divinity, the religious upbringing that you've had. So you come to know your own divine ideal because you know it has this effect to help connect you. And that level of openness and awareness that Looking at yourself in relationship to your path is how you're going to understand where you are, the steps you need to take, and what's really working for you individually on the path. 
So that really was, that's a picture of how embraceive it is. And at the same way, it gives an understanding from understanding the old mysteries to the understanding of how the mysteries today are unfolding and how they change in order to meet the consciousness of the human being that we are today. What is it we need today is probably very different than what we needed in ancient Egypt or further back, you know, where we were looking into what do the mysteries speak then for what does humanity need then. And how would you describe mystery? Well, the mysteries have always been what really is who we are and why we're here. And they're kind of given this word mystery because as we enter into this sense-born world, in a way we could call it an anesthetizing world because we forget who we are and why we're here. We don't remember the fact that we've agreed to come here to evolve and evolve particularly in this earth sphere love uh, the 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 actual purposefulness of our being on earth is to bring about the evolution of love you know it's said that the hierarchies the angels the archangels or we might use it in eastern term and think about the bodhisattvas that they love not in freedom, but because their being is just imbued with love. But the human being has this capacity through freedom to develop aspects of love that are not just a given, but are awoken in freedom in and through us. Now, often we hear the word love, you know, love, 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 love everyone. And yet often that love is speaking much more about desire or it's speaking much more about what's familiar. You know, what is a familiar pattern often draws us. What's a force of desire draws us or a force of karma draws us. But when we speak about the capacities of love we could say that all virtues are aspects of love and that's why we've listening to what was taking place in the world recently particularly around the pandemic and the struggles that it put a lot of people through listening in to what was really being asked was how do we develop more morally how do we develop ourselves in such a way that we can learn more how to love one another and so I decided to bring about the practice of the virtues in support of that and you can see that on the channel Astral Arc a YouTube channel and it goes through these monthly practices but in it we learn esoterically about the reality that love has many facets and we all come here with an aspect, something to give, something to bring, something to offer the other's development, while at the same time we are growing our capacity, developing that capacity for love, developing what we can give. And that is something about this great work that we embark upon. It's one of the reasons of why we're here mm. so basically the 
the the mystery is is a lifelong journey actually it's le, it's a lifelong school of understanding who we are and what it means to to love right well that's how we can understand part of it now but in a way when you you live in life in the anesthetizing world and we think our life is about some very limited aspects of experience perhaps fulfilling um, our desires and perhaps um, just repeating uh, familial patterns in that anesthetizing state we don't participate really in the mystery we do we don't see beyond mm. the the veil of the sense perception but when we participate in the mystery we are looking beyond that veil of the sense perceptible world to understand the richness and depth one we might call within the human soul but in where that human soul is in relationship to other beings of consciousness including other human beings but also the hierarchies, the beings of love that are helping to support and guide us in this um, great journey of awakening. Great, yes. I think what's interesting also in what you shared um, earlier is that this, of course, the mystery schools uh, have been, you know, going on for like years and years and years. And what's unique now is that they are open to everyone and they are not just for the chosen few um, so how can one embark on that uh, mystery on that journey of understanding why they're here and what is their purpose yeah I think we were speaking earlier about that where I mentioned that in the past particularly we see that that the mysteries were particularly in the Western esoteric schooling, were a secret uh, process. But, you know, it was really for the chosen few and it was held more secretively. I think Eastern uh, schooling was also really not for the many in one way, but it was more in the open. And you still see that in um, certain traditions, how spirituality is so much a part of the the daily life, the understandings of karma and the understandings of how to work with um, spirituality daily. But now in the Western schooling, there has been a shift. And I think Ruder Steiner was one of the initiates or a part of bringing about that shift, that the mysteries are actually made available to everybody that we can understand the wisdom of them through um, our thinking processes. We don't just have to have gone through trials of the path of inner development, but we can actually think about them and contemplate them and they can make sense to us. Now, to walk on that path of initiation, one does need to actually go through some transformation within oneself. But again, because it's available, it's up to us. Do we take ourselves in our own hands? Do we look at who we are, understand ourselves under these great old mysteries, uh, know thyself? We are bringing that home to each of us in our own lives. So we could say these mysteries have gone from being for the chosen few 
to the many. And the, the many meaning that if you will it, if you choose it in your life, you can awaken to the understanding of who you are and why you're here. And this mystery centre of today isn't some outer temple where few gather or you're permitted in and you're permitted entry because you have the right status or development or degree, but rather this is now within each of us. The human heart has become the new mystery centre. So how does that unfold, that mystery development, well, it, it unfolds by actually taking hold of aspects of ourselves that in a way block or shield us from recognizing who we are and why we're here. And in that, there is this awakening, firstly, to what we often refer to as the higher self or the second self. So we're all aware that we have this personality, this everyday self, this part of us that engages with life and actually believes all the identities of me. And yet in meditation, you first begin to glimpse there's a consciousness that has nothing to do with all of those identities, a pure I am consciousness. And once that begins to awaken, which it does to degree, it could be just first of all as the witness or the observer of yourself, but it grows in its capacity to be experienced and to be perceived. And as you perceive and experience this second self in you, you realize that it is so united with love, with the divine, that coming closer to that is what you yourself choose and recognizing what in you stands in the way of that. Now, one of the reasons why I really enjoyed meeting Rudolf Steiner's work and the framework which he gives is that through the framework of anthroposophy, we could understand all the other traditions and not be boxed into a limited idea of this is the only way I can see the world. And to give an example of that, uh, Rudolf Steiner mentions that at the end of your meditative life, you can focus on your divine ideal. Now, if you're a Buddhist, that might be Buddha. If you're a Christian, that may be Christ. If it may be love for you or nature or something that raises your inner life, your soul life, so you feel united more clearly with that divine, which is echoed in you in your perception of your own higher eye. So your own higher eye feels like the initiative doorway through which you can connect deeper and deeper to that divine ideal. Now that means that it's inclusive of all traditions and it allows us to understand some of the archetypes of the spiritual path. So what is it that helps to bring you into a relationship with your divine ideal? It may not be anything to do with the religion that you were brought up in, however it may be, but it may be something that you have recognized really does help you to align 
to something that is higher in you. And that's what gives you the indication you're connecting to your own divine ideal. What is it for you, Lisa? What, what is like the, the image or like some of the things you would connect the most with, um, if I may ask? Is well, it a particular scent? Yeah, well, for myself, a affinity with the I am consciousness and what that means in relationship to the being of love and how that is represented through the Christ of the mysteries. Now, esoteric Christianity is different from the religion of Christianity and how that has unfolded itself in the world. But the Christ of the mysteries, the being of love, and the I am consciousness for me all um, emanate in the direction of what I would call my divine ideal. However, I've also felt the uh, profound teachings of many other traditions have not only assisted my own path, but helped to deepen my connection with my own divine ideal. Mm, beautiful. Since we're, you know, expressing this, um, this idea of like the mystery and understanding, you know, like the, the present and how to fulfill our mission in the present, I would love to hear how, how you could describe the present today. Like what, what is the pulse of, the, of people today? Like do you feel like there's a collective... Uh, awareness about you know that mystery and awakening some some aspect do you feel like we're still in a in in a dual world where you know there's really like different realities coming together how is your uh, view of the present today yeah well on one i think being away yes to all what you've just said <laughs> because in in mm. one way there is a collective shift towards recognizing that spirituality has a meaning for the human soul that is a necessity. And there seems to be a shift towards that that is growing. And on the other hand, we would say that because of these new mysteries which are found in each of us, and we have our individual path, there are many, many expressions of that um, being shown. It's not like a collective agreement of one divine ideal. And so the times appear to be revealing to us that we have to find this out of ourselves. We can't really look to someone else to be the one that tells us how it is unless it really speaks to who we know ourselves to be at that given time, and unless it really touches something in our hearts, it's unlikely to be able to resonate as our own divine ideal. So I feel in this time we're on that track. We're all, uh, in a way, trying to clarify for ourselves what is that. And with that, that will cause some conflict because often 
in the realm of identity, the ego wants to be right. (laughs) And yet on the path of inner development, we have to release that egotism to find the truth, the truth for who we are and why we're here. And that could be very varied. And one of the things I recognize as the reality of our times is that for some, the binding with the material world may well be the lessons and the truth that they need to unfold for one reason or another. And it's not about disregarding someone else's reality. It's just trying to find what's really going to help me take my next step. And if I can do that, then I can help the collective journey on its next step. So this path is really a path of inner development for world development. I take my next step knowing that it supports the evolution of the world but I don't demand you take the step that I know I need to take. That's for me to take. You have to take the step that you need to take. And there's a hermetic saying from the old mysteries. It says, do not stop on any step, no matter how high, or it could become a snare. And there's lots to understand in that. One is you know, the step you're on is the step you're on, but you're also always looking towards um, the growth and development because that's why we come here into life, to grow and develop. Particularly at this time, it's connected to love. And we see that through uh, the various ways in which love expresses itself whether it be through the moral development, the development of virtue and all the various capacities of love, or just this recognition in so many human beings that that love is such an important force for our times. But how do we find our way to that individually and freely? And that's part of the time that we live in. We can't make somebody love we can't create Mm. policies towards love and yet unfortunately we think we can we can kind of demand people speak kindly or speak in a particular way but really if we could focus on the path of unfolding love the policy which actually undermines the freedom can be let go of and we can really focus on what actually will serve the other. Now one of the principles I understand of the path is part of your development arises through everything you learn and grow in yourself and the other part of your development arises through everything you can help grow in the other. And so We are here taking our steps so that we can bring the best of who we can be into the world, which supports others to take their steps. Yes, and I think there's many instances in our world today that actually would try to assist in that process. Um, and I was, I would, I, I wonder also what what you think of that. Of course, 
it's great to leverage, you know, what, what's offered, you know, in nature or to assist in healing. And but it seems like now it's taking a step further, where like it's actually trying to do the work uh, instead of us doing the work. Um, and I would love to hear your perspective on, on that. Yeah. So the way I understand the the mysteries today is because we have this capacity in each of us to unfold this freedom and love out of ourselves, it is a part of the mysteries that we do it out of our own resources. So it's not to suggest that you can't have guidance and teachers. I've had much guidance and teachers, and as you probably know yourself, the more open you become or the more steps you've taken, the more you recognize teachers and guidance everywhere. So that's there. But if we can awaken to that in our own being so that you truly recognize you have your guide, then you begin to be able to navigate the path and the part of this unfoldment that you're here to work with because it's a very direct schooling to this particular life. Now, we are often tempted, particularly in the way that we've been conditioned in this consumerism world, to, in a way, consume everything, even if it's spirituality, <laughs> to take it as though I can, I can purchase it, I can own it, I can grasp it for myself, rather than say, out of my own resources, how would I cultivate that so there is a real temptation to have someone or something do it for us now of course I'm very aware when someone's in a lot of pain or in suffering then the idea that some uh, plant or some person will take me out of the pain and take me out of the suffering is incredibly tempting and there's also so much that is understood and developed in pain and suffering that one may never understand or never, never understood, grasp a new level of being if we didn't go through it. I mean, how many of us develop virtues and capacities because we have managed or and transformed something in our lives that was very difficult, whether it be an illness or a heartbreak or a circumstance. And so we do gain through living life if we can recognize that what we're seeking is also seeking us through the very circumstances of our life. Now that's tricky in our age we often want something to do it for us we want the quick way we want the consumer way we want to get it and we want to get it now and we often I think bypass the great path of working towards the mystery center of the heart by putting it outside of ourselves and not working towards what is my next step and what is being revealed to me through the book of my life the greatest book that you will read if we could really understand it. Actually, there's a 
there's a verse by St. Teresa of Avila. I, I like to read this because it actually helps to make sense of so much of what I see and perceive on the path. And actually, I, I, St. Teresa is one of those Christian mystics that really understood Christ of the mysteries. It says, the earth and sky will open their purse for you and your life will change if with all your heart you say these words each day. Teach me, dear God, all that you know. One night I walked through the streets feeling desperate, in need of alchemy. A hooded priest passed by where there no lamps. I could not see his face. I only heard the words he kept repeating. Teach me, dear Lord, all that you know. And I knew a treasure had entered my soul. And, and now I, I want to speak this other one because she ha- was a colleague with St. John of the Cross. They were both initiated in the similar stream. And he says the same, in a way, truth that we all awaken to on the spiritual path. I think everybody awakens to this at some point. But he now says it through his individual expression. I once said to God, how do you teach us? And he replied, if you were playing chess with someone that had infinite power and infinite knowledge and wanted to make you a master of the game, where would all the chess pieces be at every moment? Indeed, not only where he wanted them, but where all were best for your development. And that is every situation of one's life. I think once someone is able to recognize that step of initiation, which is unfolded at some point on the path, and it is spoken through all the traditions, even Rumi says, you know, what, I wouldn't deny anything that has brought me to the, to the foot of the divine. Um, once we've awoken to these, this this part of the initiation, we stop seeking to change our lives and manifest anything differently, or to have something do it for us. But we want to go into this very deep, intimate relationship with the teachings that are coming towards us every day. Thank you. This is so powerful. I can I can really feel that actually, and. And how it just like clarifies everything when you think about it from that perspective. Well, it's a real awareness that the spiritual world truly exists because our life is an expression of that. And the more we open up to that, the more we realize that even some of the great hardships are not there to take us down. It's actually a development of capacities. It's a trial that allows us greater access to the consciousness beyond the me. If we are able to see it and read it as it's being expressed. And what made you move to Ireland (laughs) from your path, you know, like traveling the world? you know, based in Australia and, you know, is there something special in Ireland for you? Well, I, yeah, I think for my for myself, I began learning many, many years ago that if I allowed this higher I, my own guide, to really 
be a part of leading my life, then I was engaging in the mysteries in a deeper and deeper way, in a daily way, not just when I meditated, not just when I separated myself from life, but in being deeply in life. And in that process, I have a, 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 in a way, a dialogue with the life that's expressing itself. And so I recognize this call, the call to, to be in Ireland. Now, as with all the mysteries, one doesn't get the whole picture. It, you get the next step. And I, I took that step with a lot of insight that, was, that came, but without the whole understanding. And still I'm unfolding that. But what I can say that is there is something about Ireland for, for me. It, perhaps it's also because it is in my hereditary, my, through my grandmother's side. Um, but there's something here that allows the, the connection with the other realms of consciousness so readily it's possibly connected to how the elemental world lives in this veil is is thin <clears throat> now on one hand do, do i do i need that when i already live with the reality of different planes simultaneously but at the same time there's something about being able to fully live that that ireland has offered me it's it's really um, allowing me to integrate something and understand the mysteries of now and how needed they are for the times now. So for me, it's been an extraordinary movement. It also allows me to penetrate these qualities that I think I've been seeking for a long time. Yeah, so it is... I know a lot of people feel something about Ireland. I know that Rudolf Steiner said a lot about Ireland and many have um, understood through these Hibernian mysteries of the past how Ireland has a particular role that it can help incarnate the next step and then spread it to the wider world. I understand those things, but I think for me... I know that this is for my next step, and hopefully it may be true to that. It will deepen and develop the work that I can offer and the way I can live into the world. So that's why I'm here, and it's, it's quite wonderful. Mm. It, yeah. It's not always easy because not, not, the steps are not easy, but it is deepening and becoming so much richer, and I'm really... Um, Really happy to be here. I'm sure it's a wonderful um, space for you to unfold your your art in a way. I was also wondering, you know, um, about the notion of good and evil. You know, like some uh, this idea that there's like some light forces and there's some dark forces. And yet, you know, like we could take it from the perspective of like there is just oneness, right? And it's all a matter of like being accomplished or non yet accomplished. What is your perspective on that since you're like really like in connection with 
such other realms, you know. Um, I, I would love to, to hear about that. Yeah, so it's, this is interesting because what is the reality on different realms of consciousness? Is it always the same reality? So what we might think of in one aspect of being as good and bad or light and darkness, as right and wrong, actually is very different on another level of being. So we can say on those higher levels of David Chan or the higher levels of the spiritual world, there is no real light and dark in that sense of good and bad because it is a, a homecoming to all aspects of being. So how can the oneness of God then be divided? Now we find it really hard to understand the one, the oneness even those that have the experience of it as a reality in their meditation have to actually live with that in being different when they enter into the sense-perceptible reality because the consciousness shifts. So in one realm, what might be understood as true or false may be different in, an, in another realm of being. And one of the aspects that Rudolf Steiner describes, which I've come to understand more and more as I've grown on this path, is that to be true to the realm of which you're existing on. And so you try not to carry with you ways of being in other realms into the realm of which you're focusing your particular attention on. So that's part of the flexibility that you learn on the initiation path. It, in this realm, I'm here, you're there, and we're two having a conversation. On another realm, we're not two. <laughs> but before that realm, actually, before we get to that realm, there's a realm between where this conversation has already been. And we already have experience it so time space and reality does change with each of the realms and part of what I've um, had deep interest is in trying to understand that partly because it helps me to understand the journey of individuals that struggle because for many people they struggle because they're having breakthrough experiences of other realms of consciousness that they can't understand in the realm of which they understand life and so if you're trying to help somebody on the path if you're trying to understand where they are and what is being quickened in them then it for for my work it's been very useful to understand these different realms and the way that they function and what we might understand as true in the different realms so when we go first out from the sense-perceptible world, we meet the astral world. Now, the astral world has different planes of being on it, and those lower astral worlds can be very confusing because, first of all, we basically experience our own inner world as the outer environment. So you can imagine how complicated that is for someone that doesn't understand what they're seeing and perceiving 
is actually their own internal dynamics. And so they think they're meeting another being or a, or a particular circumstance when they're actually meeting aspects of themselves. So it's, it is confusing. And sometimes we have to meet some of the collective struggles, the collective fear, the collective doubt, the collective hatred. But when we don't understand that's what we're meeting, we can personalize that and, and take hold of those forces of fear, doubt and hatred and undermine our place on the path and our ability to keep stepping forward because it feels so overwhelming. So understanding those things has allowed me to understand this idea of good, bad, right, wrong in the right realm. And it's true on the highest realms of oneness that we couldn't speak in those terms. But in those highest realms, you really don't speak because to speak itself is in itself a dualizing process. Because I have to, in speech, take it out of the unity that everyone can understand and bring it to a language where it's understood by some and not all. And in that realm, we've moved out of the oneness. And so what is the language that is unified on all realms of being? And this is why I think the work of love is so useful because love remains. It's something we can come and know in the sense perceptible world. It's a force of transformation on the astral world. It's a atmosphere in the spiritual world. It is God. It is the divine. You see that divine and that love and that, you know, expression um in, you know, nature, in animals, in, you know, a flower? Like, is that perhaps a good way to understand what, what love is, actually? Well, the divine in its various expressions, could, we could say that everything, therefore, is an expression of love, particularly in the natural world. And at the same time, we may also say that this world, this sensory world around us is co-created. On one hand, we have a God-willed world, and on another hand, we have a human-willed world. And they are constantly forming the world of which we perceive around us. And this is true in what becomes made manifest in the sensory world, but it is also true of what is experienced in the astral world and that's why the astral world is so confusing because it is influenced so much by the human interior experience as much as it is by the um, guiding forces so when we're perceiving the divine we have to in a way look through the lens of the divine to see the divine if I look through the lens of my personal self, I will see more of what is personal to me. When I look at a rose, I might like it or dislike it according to my own experience with the rose. 
But that doesn't tell me much about the rose. It just tells me whether I like it or dislike it. So if I was to look through the lens of trying to see beyond the veil of anything subjective to the objective, then I begin to get closer to the beingness of that plant. And the beingness of that plant is particularly harmonious as it reflects back to the human being because the rose reflects the balance of the blossom, the leaf and the root. And other plants reflect a shift in that balance. Let's have a consider like the chamomile. It doesn't reflect a harmony between blossom, leaf and root. It actually looks like the root is coming over the leaf and taking hold of the leafiness. And that's what makes chamomile a medicinal plant because it is cre- it's an imbalance that can reflect back to us an imbalance. Is an imbalance seal of God? Yes, it's because it's a healing force. But while I live in relationship to the world of liking and disliking and my preferences and my subjectivity and what I want and what I want to possess and cultivate for myself, the world is a different place than if I say, who are you? What are you here to bring? What, can you, what are you here to offer the world? And then the rose reflects back something of I'm here to offer harmony. But the chamomile is here to say, I'm here to offer healing. And where's the healing? In this particular direction. If your nervous system is too strongly grasping your system, this plant will reflect that and bring about a healing process. I'm just dreaming about a school where we could relearn those things, you know, and we learn what a rose is from that perspective, or we learn what, you know, nature is, basically. Speaking of school, actually, like, you know, your your wisdom and your your offering to this world is so... Um, so powerful really and needed for sure concretely how can we connect with the with that Lisa like what do you suggest for people who are listening to this and really like understanding that yes that there is another way and there is like and there is this new door that is opening now you know like the skies are opening in that verse I think like there's new doors that are opening right now in terms of like understanding who we are. Um, and I think for many people, it's more like the how, you know, how, what is that yeah. first step? Yeah. Well, look, I, obviously I'm welcome anyone to listen into the work that I'm offering through my channel in a work path, uh, com. actually that's a website and the Astral Arc YouTube channel. These are small offerings to help people come to that connection for themselves. I also think that if you find a teaching that really speaks to you but allows you to really come to that love and freedom in yourself, not just feelings of love but the the freedom aspect that you can work towards it, then it's useful to 
open up to that. Now, there are many aspects to, to life. I have been involved in the health and healing path. And so I do come through that stream and I've helped initiate various work around that. And if you go to my channel, you can see that and you can see where you can download, for instance, the chamomile compress and how those things might help you. And it, it, there's various things that one can look into. But how, how to meet that concretely, I would say this, and this is hard because this is the first most important step. How do you recognize what is leading your life? Can you discern between the part of you that is desire and wanting and, 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 and trying to escape pain and seek pleasure from that higher voice that knows this is my next step or this is right for me or this is true for me? So discerning those first two, the recognition of that allows you to not immediately therefore follow that higher voice because that's the extraordinary thing even when you know this is where I need to head you you're free to take it or not but to have that guide then once that's there and you know that that's what leads your life then all steps will just bring you closer to the path that you're on but until that point you may find yourself window shopping or doing things that are diverting or taking you away from that, particularly if someone else says, I am your guide, I am the one that can tell you, this is the medicine that will show you, follow this particular path. Uh, let's find a way to awaken that second self. And for me, that's really done through a meditative practice because it is there that you can put your everyday self to one side. So in the Astral Arc offering, every month I bring a virtue practice, but it begins with an exercise that allows you to put your everyday to one side, building that reality of that inner guide that is left when all that you identify with is your everyday is put to one side. Once you have that guide, really, and that's what's leading your life, and you can differentiate that, then the path accelerates. So that's the real first step. And yeah, anything that may be the most useful to that, again, I would say out of your own resources, because you will need to be able to turn to that yourself, for yourself, in freedom, and not something that gives that to you. Thank you so much, Lisa. I cannot believe it's been almost an hour <laughs> since we've been talking. And, you know, I could talk to you for hours. And, um, you know, I always like to ask this question to kind of like conclude this first part of our conversation. I'm sure we'll have many others in the future what is your dream if you had a dream to share with me what would that be oh my dream <laughs> that's interesting because in a sense everything that I've been speaking about this awakening of that being of love in each of us 
it is is the dream, and yet I wouldn't use that word dream. I would use the word is the reality. Um, the dream mm. for me is is what is coming into being, but the reality is what actually is. We just need to wake up to it. That's so beautiful. What a great way to uh, conclude. Really, there's nothing well, more to say. Well, thank you. And it's been so thank wonderful you so to, to meet you.